0: Welcome to the SLP Talk Show, real talk with Carrie about stuff that really matters.
1: Hey, it's Carrie, your fast-talking, speech-therapy-loving host. While you are driving, cleaning, exercising, or whatever it is you do while listening to podcasts, I'm going to be chatting about pediatric speech-therapy stuff. But I don't want our time together to feel like work or be boring. You already work enough, and you already have enough boring stuff to do in your life. So let's get going and have some fun. We're back. It's the ninth episode of SLP Talk Show, and Jim is here with me.
0: Glad to be here.
1: All right, Jim. So before we get started on our topic, I want to do a game called Stump the Chump.
0: Let me guess. I'm the chump.
1: You're the chump. Okay. Okay. All right. So since you're like a trivia whiz, I found this new game, and it is called... I should have known that. It's a trivia game about things you ought to know. So, actually, this is probably, these are the questions you should probably be asking me because, uh, so, anyways, these are very easy. And we're going to do eight questions and see if you get them all. Eight? Here we go. Who married Prince William on April 29th, 2011? Kate. Kate, what? Winslet. Not Middleton. (laughs) Good try. (laughs) I don't know. Okay. Who played Tom Iceman Kazansky in the 1986 film Top Gun?
0: uh that oh that's um oh god i see i can see his face um 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 i'm drawing a blank go ahead
1: he has three letters in his first name it starts with a v
0: oh uh yeah
1: val val kilmer val kilmer yeah. all right I knew O that. for 2 o for 2 here we I go i knew that what is the u.s president's <laughs> president's official country residence just north of washington dc in maryland called
0: um, Camp David?
1: Yes. Ding, Boom.
0: ding, ding. Boom.
1: What is the name of the band that Bruce Springsteen has played with since the 1970s?
0: E Street Band.
1: Yep. Two out of four. Here we go. What symbol does Batman have on his chest? A bat? Yes.
0: <laughs> <That was easy. laughs>
1: Where in the human body is urine? Ooh, I love that we get to talk about urine on the oh. podcast. Where is it created? What body part? Bladder? No. and eh, the kidneys. How many fingers does Mickey Mouse have on each hand?
0: Three. Nope, four. Well, the thumb is not eh, a finger. Eh.
1: Last question Who is the lead singer of the group Coldplay?
0: Michael Jordan. <laughs>
1: it is Michael, Michael
0: Jordan. Michael Jordan, yeah.
1: It is Chris Wait, Martin. Wait, but is it
0: Michael B. Jordan or <laughs> no. Michael A. Jordan?
1: It is none of the Michael Jordans. So Are you sure? You got like, I don't even know, <laughs> not quite half. All right, so well that's good. That's a good game. I'm enjoying that. Really?
0: You throw Coldplay at me?
1: I throw Coldplay at oh, you. All right, all right. So that was our Stump the Chump and I think I successfully stumped.
0: Yeah, that worked.
1: The Chump.
0: Yeah, I'm chump. <laughs>
1: All right, so what I want to talk about today is therapy for autistic kids. And since we are both parents of an autistic child, I thought maybe we could share a little bit about our journey uh, with Aaron along the way. But I, I just think that what happens is child gets diagnosed with autism and parents are... Immediately, kind of instructed to get him into therapy. Right, right. we got to we got to start this this therapy regimen, if you mm-hmm. will. And I think under the medical model of disability, yes, families have always been encouraged to get a lot of therapy. When Aaron was diagnosed um, many years ago, in fact, we were instructed or it was recommended to us that we put him in thirty to forty hours a week of ABA.
0: Right. And ABA.
1: Yeah, we chose not to, okay? That was not the path we chose. Uh, And so I think under the medical model of disability, parents are encouraged to put their child in therapy and a lot of therapy. Right. And so one of the things that as a therapist that I've always been very cognizant of is that we don't want to therapize the child. And that's a made-up word. Mm Mm-hmm. And so here's my made-up definition to the made-up word. The word therapize is a verb, and it means to create unnatural, passive behaviors and prompt dependency as a result of direct therapy. So I've never wanted that for Aaron, I've never wanted that for any of the kids uh, that I've worked with in, you know, how long have I been in SLP, 26 years now? So instead of uh, really looking at the medical model, which says, oh, uh, uh, autistic kids, Uh, have deficits, and we need to fix those deficits, right? That's kind of that medical model. Mm -hmm. Instead, uh, what we're now looking at is understanding and recognizing that autism is a different way of being human. It's a different neurotype. So instead of saying, oh, this autistic child has deficits that need to be fixed, instead what we're doing is looking at the child's strengths, we're looking at their interests, and we should be considering what functional skills- Does the child need support with uh, mm-hmm. in order to become the best version of of them instead right. of saying, oh, we need to help this autistic child catch up to their neurotypical peers? Right. So um, one thing that Jim and I have talked quite a bit about recently is this whole idea of developmental milestones, you mm-hmm. know, and and I think, you know, if you just were to ask someone, what's the purpose of therapy? Oh, it's to get them. Caught up.
0: Yeah, on track.
1: Get them on track. That was the term you used. I want them to be on track, right? I want them to get caught up. I want them to be ready for school. Um, I work with very young kids, so birth to five is um, the population that I primarily work with. And so I think there's always been this mindset from parents that, oh, we just want to get them on track. We want to get them caught up. Mm -hmm. Well, here's the problem with that mindset is that autistic children have a different developmental trajectory than neurotypical children do. Right. And I think you know we had two neurotypical daughters, right. Whitney and Allison, and then um, seven years later we had our son, Aaron, who is autistic, and he didn't meet his milestones in the but, same. You know,
0: when you think about the the girls, their their tracks weren't exactly the same either.
1: No, they weren't exactly the same. But I think they kind of followed the same general trajectory sure. in that, you know, they did yeah. things in a but certain they had different expected... interests. Yeah, in they... Different... Oh, they definitely had different interests. But I think when we look at, you know, you, you sort of expected him to potty train around the same general yeah. age. You know, yeah. you, you expected him to talk around the same general time. Okay. And the girls pretty much did. I mean, I think they followed what we'd call a pretty typical trajectory. Did they meet their milestones at different times? Yeah. And I think that's what you're getting at. They definitely met their milestones at different times. Whitney was very verbal from a very young age, and Allison just wasn't quite as verbal, so she met some of her. Whitney
0: spoke for her. Yeah,
1: she, she definitely, <laughs> she had a lot to say. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. But so when Aaron came along then, all of a sudden um, our pediatrician would start pointing out to us that he's missing milestones, right? That he's right. not where he should be. And so lots and lots of therapy was encouraged. And I just thought it might be helpful for Jim and I to get on here and kind of tell you guys that we didn't follow um, that that path if you will we didn't uh, put Aaron in a whole lot of therapy in fact he had very little therapy and in fact we homeschooled um Aaron until Mm -hmm. he was second semester second grade and uh so I thought maybe what we could do Jim is just talk a little bit about our personal journey uh with Aaron raising an autistic child because it didn't involve uh, a lot of therapy early on we did have some Therapists who we would hire to come in and kind of gauge where he was at and what skills he was ready to learn, right. and they would give us strategies. Like right. you know, I can remember we bought special scissors for him because yep. he, for example, we had. To... Yeah,
0: and there was like oh. A... Thing he used for writing, yeah, yeah.
1: to help him with his yeah. with his tripod grasp, and we had right. spring loaded scissors, and so there were like these 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 strategies and these tools that we had. Um, he did get physical therapy. We did take him for physical therapy for a period of time, yep. and so that they could for coach his toe us, walking. Yeah. yeah, for his toe walking, coach us on some things we could do around the house to help.
0: Yeah, and he went to horseback riding. Um, yeah, he did
1: therapeutic horseback riding, and, and he still, still does. does. Yeah, absolutely, he loves He's been, it. Been doing that for years now. So, um, when Aaron. Was very young. Uh, Jim was the homeschool teacher. He actually homeschooled our daughters as well. Yep. And so I think back, I mean, Aaron is now 17, but I think back to we had a homeschool room in our house, and Aaron didn't necessarily, I don't know how to. He, he didn't, wasn't in there. He wasn't in there. Like no. the way you homeschooled the girls was right. completely different from yeah, the it way. It was kind
0: of like school at home.
1: Yeah, but, instead of. But. Yeah.
0: The, for him, it was
1: was different. Because it was
0: wherever, wherever we wanted to be. But not wherever only wherever, wanted, wanted but whenever.
1: Like, it wasn't mm-hmm. like you could say with the girls. Like, the girls had to practice their instruments from 9 to 9.30 or, you know, whatever it was. It wasn't structured like that for Aaron because it was, oh, he's in a good place right now. Let's do, yeah. you know, this well, activity. I,
0: I think we there was definitely, you know, a checklist or, you know, a goal for the day. Sure, but You know, but, sure. you know and, and sometimes one thing would build on to another. Mm-hmm. Um, but then for him, he just needed lots of breaks and, right. you know, he had his little trampoline he oh, could jump on. Oh, remember the
1: tra- We had to go, we went through a couple trampolines because mm-hmm. he yeah, would he jump on them. Just the little mini, yeah. mini the, trampolines. Yeah, uh-huh. like the ones
0: they used to have in the 90s.
1: In the 90s, yeah.
0: We, yeah. Uh, what was it, jumper size or something? Yeah, I don't even oh. know. <laughs> no Jazzer size,
1: that might have been it. Um, that might have been but it. But
0: he, yeah, he would jump on that for three, four minutes in between activities sometimes, sometimes during the activity, you know. I
1: can remember he would sit on the trampoline because it would like give him just, he would bounce on it while he was sitting, maybe when you were reading to him or, you know, But he liked
0: it, you know, and that was the whole reason if, you know, it wasn't going to force him to get on there. Well, no. But he really liked being on there and it helped him regulate.
1: Right. The other thing I remember Aaron really liking back when he was young, I'm talking four, five, you Mm -hmm. know, maybe six years old, he loved bowling. Remember when he's gone through, he liked pool for a while, like billiards remember when he went through that we actually had we bought him a thing of pool balls yeah that was a dangerous thing.
0: Was weir- yeah because we
1: didn't have a pool table him. but
0: <laughs> whipping these pool balls around he really liked um, pool
1: because they had numbers on him but he also really liked bowling and i mean he yeah, liked bowling the, a the lot. little
0: bowling set where you knocked him down and then they you know they the pins talked
1: Oh, he He loved that that. one. He loved that. That was funny. But he had several bowling sets. We had one upstairs. We had a couple downstairs. And I can remember there was a time where we were working on trying to teach him, you know, early edition. So we're probably talking like first grade type um, age. Uh, And we would tape numbers to each of the bowling pins. And then Aaron would bowl. And whatever numbers got knocked down he would have to add those or subtract we, them. Yeah, we did whatever subtraction. We, yeah, whatever that. we were doing with them. Yep. And it was really, he, yeah. it, it meant something to him. And it was it mm-hmm. was relevant. It was functional. It built on his interests, you right. know? Yeah. And and so... Yeah, we just
0: kind of used the interest to piggyback a... Uh, strategy yeah goodness, i mean you know. it was
1: we really did we and so i think sometimes people get get confused when we, when we as therapists start talking about strengths based and using their interests so i just thought it might be helpful to kind of just have jim and i just kind of tell you you know that well one thing that we did and we didn't have anybody ever tell us this but i'm telling you this now because i want you to hear these words okay it's really important when you're supporting autistic children that you honor their developmental pace mm-hmm. autistic children are not going to develop along the same, they're not gonna have the same developmental journey that neurotypical kids have. And so if you look at a milestone list and you go, oh, he can't string four beads, or oh, he can't button, or oh, he can't, right? When you're looking at fine motor skills, let's say. Um, The problem with saying, oh, we're going to go in and teach that skill is that if it's not functional, if it's not relevant in the moment, it may just, you may be therapizing the child. You may Mm -hmm. be teaching a random skill out of context that doesn't mean anything. And if it doesn't mean anything to the child, um, they may choose to disengage. It may not. Well,
0: and if it just doesn't go well then everything's negative.
1: Then everything about it. And then to try to get him to practice it again, then then that's when we'd have meltdowns. Good luck with that. Yeah, we'd have epic meltdowns. So we really, I think Aaron taught us to honor his developmental pace. I can remember when he was, Aaron has um, motor planning struggles throughout his whole body. He always has had kind of this global apraxia. Mm -hmm. So I can remember when he was probably seven, eight years old and I can remember talking to Jim and, and just saying, do you think he'll ever be able to dress himself? Because he couldn't motor plan like how to put pants on like one leg and then the other and then you had to stand up when you think of all right. the different you yep. know steps that go into like dressing yourself and mm-hmm. i i remember when i thought he'll never be i just don't know if he'll ever be able to button a shirt by himself now he doesn't wear a lot of button downs but i'm happy to tell you that a couple nights ago we had to go to an awards ceremony at school right and i bought aaron a new button-down shirt it's the only button-down shirt he even owns um but he put it on and he came into my room and he said mom I put this shirt on and I buttoned it because my dad taught me how. And I thought, <laughs> wow, because it never even occurred to me that at 17 he might still not know how to button, but he does and he did it and he was so proud of himself. I also remember wondering, do you think Aaron will ever potty train? You know, like the girls, yeah. we got that pretty quick with them and with him we well, were like, and I, well.
0: I think that's the thing that when you're, when you're, when they're young like that, like. You know, you think is he always going to play with these little plastic bears, or is he always going to uh-huh. line up cars, uh-huh. or is he always going to, you know, like he, he loved that movie Cars.
1: Oh, the movie for, Cars
0: forever
1: for like five years. That was his favorite and then movie. all
0: of a sudden he was done.
1: Right, and that's and, how it how it he is with never his. Yeah,
0: really has revisited that. Right. Now, now he likes NASCAR, but they're totally and he yeah. doesn't really make the he doesn't go back to that and say uh-huh. there's a connection there. No,
1: he doesn't. I don't which think he is sees interesting that to connection. me. No. But
0: um, you know, it's like you you think these things like is he ever going to do this or is he ever going to do that? Yeah, he, he is. does it at
1: his own pace. It's though. just
0: it's just not going to be. Like you said, on the trajectory.
1: Yeah, that neurotypical kids it's, have.
0: It's going to have its own And trajectory.
1: that's why my saying, if you followed me at all on social media for any amount of time, um, forward is forward no matter the speed. Right. So if you're a parent, if you're a therapist working with autistic children, just know that it's not about trying to get autistic kids to catch up. Or what was the phrase you used? To... Uh, um,
0: Stay on track.
1: To get on track. Yeah, we got to get them on, on, yeah, on track. Yeah, we got to get them on track. That's not what this is about. It's about looking at the five developmental domains, which in early childhood we look at, cognitive, communication, social, emotional, physical, and self-help skills. Mm-hmm. And you look at those areas of development, you say, does the child need extra supports in you know one of those areas? Right. And frequently with young autistic children, it's communication, right? right? We need to get them a way to communicate. It may not be um, talking, but we need to get um, a AC, you know, Augmentative and Alternative Communication going. So Mm -hmm. I just really thought, um, you know, this is a good time um, to just really have this conversation since we homeschooled Aaron. I'm a therapist, but I've always said I don't believe in a lot of therapy, um, especially for autistic kids. Their needs, just because a child qualifies for therapy doesn't mean they need therapy services. And I think that that needs to be said and, and repeated over and over. Aaron, even right now, if we gave, Jim, if we gave Aaron a standardized language test, Let's say I'm a speech-language pathologist. If I gave him a standardized language test. You
0: are a speech-language pathologist.
1: That's what I said because okay. I am. If oh, okay. I gave him that test, he would qualify for speech-language therapy, for, sure. for language therapy. Right. I guarantee he would. He would be at least one, if not one and a half standard deviations below the mean. But Aaron doesn't. I mean, he's functioning so well from a communication standpoint, right? You can have right. really pretty in-depth conversations with him. He will—he self-advocates now and will tell you if he doesn't understand a word, he'll ask. He'll stop the conversation and say, "What do you mean by that?" Right. Mm-hmm. So he's really yeah. doing a good job yeah. with self-advocacy. But um, just because he qualifies for therapy doesn't necessarily mean we need to provide those services. So
0: because therapy isn't a cure.
1: Well yeah, and autism, I mean there is no cure for autism. Autism isn't an illness.
0: It's not an illness. Right. It's, it's not a, it's just
1: a different a way a different way of being. A different way of being, a different way of being human, right? Yeah. And I know I've said this before, but again, some things are worth repeating. Autism is neither good nor bad. Autism is. Right. That's what it is. Autism is, okay? It's a different way of being human, and it's a valid way of being human. Mm -hmm. And so just know that some autistic individuals will need high levels of support. Some will need lower levels of support. Right. And some kids, like Aaron, will need varying levels of support depending on where they're at in their developmental journey. Yep. So that's what we wanted to uh, hop on here and just kind of discuss is that there is no right amount of therapy. There's no specific therapy that, you know, every autistic child needs. We just need to look at what are our goals. And I think it's really important um, to think about future in 6 months. What do you want to see Aaron doing in the next 6 months, right. right? What do you want to see your son or your daughter or the child you're supporting in therapy doing in the next 6 months? Mm-hmm. So, when we say we want him to be caught up or get on track, that's vague. That tells us nothing. Right. That, that is mean not that is that's meaningless. So, we really want to think about functional skills, meaningful skills, relevant skills, and then we can work with parents as therapists. We can work with parents and caregivers and teachers to help that child uh, acquire those skills. Mhm. All right, well, thank you for listening to another episode of SLP Talk Show. If you're enjoying the podcast, we'd really appreciate it if you would leave us a five-star review. uh, Give us some feedback. Let us know how we're doing. And as you head back to the real world, remember, joy is a choice that you make every day when you wake up. Throw kindness around like confetti. And please get your boobies checked every single year. It could just save your life. It certainly saved mine. Until we meet again, cheers.